You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to 15 Minutes of Flame, where we talk and talk about sex, cannabis, and other things in between. I am Dr. V. Helene, and we are joining you on this Sunday afternoon, November 17th. And my guest today, okay, what an introduction here. All right. (laughs) Mitzi Rudock, born and raised in the city of Detroit, has a passion for seeing Detroit-based businesses, families, and individuals flourish in her hometown. She saw a void in sharing the truth about cannabis and demystifying stereotypes. As the cannabis industry began to evolve in 2008, she started growing cannabis, and it opened her eyes to an appreciation for master cultivators and the need for mentorship and networking in the business. She launched a mature networking event called Buds, Corks, and Forks, whose mission, is, whose mission is to provide a safe, mature atmosphere for those seeking information or seeking to share experiences and love for the cannabis plant. Now, this allowed Mincy to provide educational resources to the city of Detroit's leadership, those in opposition, seniors, business owners, patients, caregivers, and she has been in the trenches ensuring Detroiters receive at least 50% of the cannabis Industry. I mean, that is like, wow, very important. Um, Mitzi is also accomplishing this huge task through her five brands. She has a nonprofit development. She's serving on the Michigan Marijuana Regulatory Advisor Panel. She conducts community meetings. She serves as panelist and podcast guest, which she's here today, whenever and wherever she can. And I thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. Definitely. Um, so we, before we get into what Mitzi is on the ground and running uh, and doing around the city of Detroit, just want to give you all some cannabis news, uh, some of the latest that you can use. In the state of Michigan, um, this month on the 1st, they finally re- released uh, applications for Michigan residents to apply for various types of uh, marijuana businesses. And I think Mitzi has some good knowledge that she could share with us uh, in a little bit. But I also heard that, uh, and if you have any other information on this, they said that we could be selling recreational marijuana as soon as December 1st. Yes. Um, Okay. So I'm also hearing with that a little bit that there may be a little bit of um, angst because there's already a shortage for some medical marijuana patients. So if they open that up on the 1st, then... Yeah, this rush and it, low supply. Absolutely. So okay. what happened just happened. Um, the state actually put um, an emergency, another rule um, indicating that uh, the uh, the flowers that's available right now can go to recreational, okay. which can essentially further the medical shortage. Okay. So um, the medical side didn't uh, allow or didn't. Uh, approve enough cultivators, licensed oh. cultivators first. So that's why the shortage is happening. So okay. with recreational company, it's going to be even more of a, sh- a shortage. Right. I mean, wow. Especially 
only the few who may be up and running. Everybody exactly. probably try to bomb rush those dispensaries. Exactly, exactly. And then now they're coming back to the caregivers like, yeah, okay, caregivers, you're you're allowed to give to the dispensary. So that's a whole other story. Oh, gosh. Okay. <laughs> right. So much going on. It so is. also in the um, Michigan House of Representatives, they um, recently voted and approved an expanded measure on expungement of criminal mm-hmm. records. I mean, this has blocked so many people from even considering being in the cannabis business because they have a record. So um, I'm, I think it's ironic or maybe it isn't, but the social equity measure is supposed to provide opportunities in the neighborhoods that were affected by the drug war. So, I mean, it's interesting now that they have to consider expungement of these records. I mean, if you're going to try to help businesses grow in those neighborhoods that were affected, you have to also release people who have been affected by incarceration. Yeah, absolutely. But that's so... uh, Are they doing it truly? You know, that's why I'm here. (laughs) Yes, yes. See, and that's why I'm glad I got you today because, you know, I always tell people, you know, you can read the headlines, but you got to read between the lines. Absolutely. They don't tell you everything. You got to read the Mm -hmm. fine print. Absolutely. And and most of the time, the fine print is in like page 257, which most people People don't don't even get to. Yes. (laughs) You know? Yes. So, um, So let's get into your story. So, your father, he was a sexual, successful business owner in Detroit. Yes, he was in um, construction. He owned his own construction company and actually um, had uh, worked with the city of Detroit, actually. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. One of the first blacks. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Now, um, he lost his battle to cancer in 95 mm-hmm. at the age of 43. You say mm-hmm. that is when you felt that sparked your interest at that point. Was he using cannabis in his treatment, or did your interest spark later? No, it was the fact that my father was actually Jamaican. Okay. So there's a lot of things um, that people think that they know about cannabis, but mm-hmm. th- it, it's not really true. So he was from Jamaica, but he did not believe in cannabis. Okay. And um, that's what start, what piqued my interest in okay. the whole um, taboo. It was like that could have saved my father's life if mm-hmm. the taboos weren't out here. If um, all of these uh, miseducation, mm-hmm. no pieces, the propaganda that's out here, he could have been. He could have had a better ending, possibly. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have a chance with cannabis because he was like, "No, I'm not taking it." So ultimately, he took chemotherapy. I am not a proponent of chemotherapy. At all, I believe that um, the statistics say that 50% of people don't make it after taking um, uh, chemotherapy, mm-hmm. which is a is a harsh, harsh um, drug. And yeah, it is. It's so unfortunate that so many people, I, I can count on my two hands how many people are sick right now that won't even try cannabis. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? It's that just, is it's amazing. It's so heart, disheartening. And I wonder if it's a generational thing, to be honest, too. Part of it is, Because I feel yeah. like you see more taboo and treatment with cannabis still from older generations. It is, but yet seniors are the fastest growing. That's true. <laughs> That's users. also true. You know, so it, it, it's a it's a double-edged sword right. um, that we're dealing with right now. But um, I just really would like to um, help educate others on the possibilities of cannabis so they can really realize the healing benefits of it. Um, I had a meeting on Wednesday, and the flower, it was a lady, um, her name is Stephanie. She called herself the flower girl, and she mm-hmm. came through and she talked about oh, she I gave, follow her. 
does wow. it. Yes. So she came, and that's what she does is that mm-hmm. she educates seniors and she educates nice. newbies. I need to get her up here. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll give you her card. Yeah. But yes. So and she was like, you know, you inspire me to keep to get into the industry. Right. Like, yes, those are the opportunities that are there for us to really educate and really get people to know all of the benefits, the economic benefits, the right. health benefits. The right. sex benefit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on multiple levels. Yes, uh-huh. it's a feel-good drug. <laughs> Absolutely. Very therapeutic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the funny thing is, like, what I was following, I, I tell people all the time, I was so busy following um, the New Jersey and New York legalization movement because that's where I live and work. But when I came back home to take care of my granddad, <clears throat> and I was coming back and forth, and I saw the momentum in Detroit, I said, wait a minute. They, they kind of got some California medical marijuana. Like, I didn't know it was advanced, that far, yeah. you know. And so um, it had already been here for, like, 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know in 2014, you were already, you know, in the in the mix of things. And as you saw the industry emerge here, um, you were interested in making sure Detroiters because, you know. Yes. A lot of the growth facilities and farms are outside of Detroit, but we know that for Michigan, the, the majority of the dispensaries are located inside the city. Correct. Um, but the truth of the matter is how many of us, you know, have ownership and stake in it um, who are Detroit residents. So um, you were instrumental in 2014 in advocating for 13 black-owned dispensaries to remain open. Um, how did you do that, and how many black-owned dispensaries do we have now? So that was a, a really tough fight, and it, it didn't turn out to be a victory, but, you know, we tried. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we did was we gathered as many black-owned dispensaries as we could find mm-hmm. um, at the time. It was booming in Detroit. There was like 300 dispensaries at one point, and wow. it was like maybe only 30 of them were black-owned. Yeah. And then um, city council ended up implementing um, a zoning ordinance that that was a barrier. So that ended up closing down. That's closing down more. uh, Most of the dispensaries in Detroit. So when that happened, though, they never really considered the 30 (laughs) that was. They didn't never consider the 30 that was um, open. So after that, um, we need we found ourselves in a situation where we needed to find um, the black owned dispensaries and um, see if we can save them somehow and to remain open. Um, so that was a long, hard battle, but we were not successful um, in that fight. And most of them end up having to close down. Wow. Um, so now here we are in 2019, and there are three that are 100% um, black-owned. I thought I heard that <laughs> number, and I, I was just that like, three? three? Okay, three licenses. License. Okay. Yes. Now— I, I want, I'm sorry. I, I don't mind giving a shout out to black businesses because I try to support them. And, you know, I mm-hmm. supported the House of Mary Jane yesterday. So that oh, is the one. You. Yes, that, that is. is the one um, black dispensary that I am familiar with in the yes. city um, that I do frequent. 
House when I can. House is in. House is in is the other one. Yes. Okay. And um, Evergreen Wellness. Evergreen Wellness is the third one. Yes. Okay. So you know we do have black dispensaries in Detroit. So you know support black businesses if you can. Now your your event this week was actually about. Blacks in the Cannabis Industry. You Correct. had an event on Wednesday. Yeah. Tell us about that. And it was more of a community um, outreach. Okay. I needed to, we got to get down to the basics and really um, get to get into the rules, get mm-hmm. into the laws. And I'm finding that we don't know the laws. We don't know, you know, the basics for us to move forward down the path of licensing. Okay. So we have all of these barriers so I said, you know what, I'm going to take it all the way back and let's develop a process here. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the laws. Let's talk about the licensing. Once we get past that, now we got to figure out how we're going to get past this, these barriers. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where the other part, part of my advocacy is really dealing with policy. Okay. So we are not going to be able to go forward in this industry and have a big stake without dealing with policy. Right. Um, Absolutely. I'm not a politician. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> but I found that there is some, there is a need for it. We have yeah. to step in that arena in order to start changing um, what these laws look like for us. Mm-hmm. These laws really put us in this situation when you That's think true. about it. Exactly. The, the war on drugs got us here where now we're not able to participate. We have not been able to participate in uh, school, um, housing. I mean, right. so many mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. that have de- devastated our communities. And so now I'm like, look, Cannabis is too important. It has too many opportunities. Mm-hmm. We have to participate in it. That's so right. to participate in it, we got to bring it on back and make sure that we are versed in in every area to move forward in, towards licensing. Oh, absolutely. And see that that flows right into the next question I had because really, as a community, I mean, as we gain awareness, as we start to learn, because when I came to the, uh, you had it. Blacks in the Cannabis Industry event in, I think that was September or the yes. beginning of October, mm-hmm. September. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the one I went to. When I first came, I was like, wow, I couldn't believe I was one of the first people here. <laughs> but then that room was almost packed. Yeah, it was. So, was you so know, happy. at first I was like, oh, my God, this is, yeah. why aren't we interested enough in this issue? But then I said, okay. It's enough people mm-hmm. that's interested. And if this many people attended this session, you know, when people have the time and off work or maybe there's that many more people who yeah. are interested but may not have the time to come get the information. Correct. So, you know, it's important we get it out there. But how can we ensure both equity and accountability? You know, when it comes to that policy stuff, like I said, you know, the rules are on page 257. You know, they they come up with these laws. Now, a lot of people were really praising Illinois because when they came out with their law, it was just built into it. You know, I think Michigan had to kind of go back to put a social equity clause yeah, they put in, it there. in recreational. Mm-hmm. They put it in recreational. Yeah. So what what does that really mean? Like social equity? I mean, what does it look like and who it's, are they talking about? It's really peanuts. So okay. it's, it's still it's really <laughs> just still um, that chicken dinner thing, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to surpass us to like shut up. And it's just in 2019, it's just not going to be tolerated. Right. And um, with social media, um, everything is like on blast. So mm-hmm. there's going to have to be accountability now. So social equity right now in the state of Michigan, it's a discount off of the initial um, application fees. Okay. Um, and assessment fees, your licensing fee. 
to get into business. Mm -hmm. And I really think like it's peanuts because when you're thinking about the fact that what marijuana has done, over-policing of marijuana has Mm -hmm. done in um, our communities, this is all you can give us? Like (laughs) we should have a straight beeline shot at a license. There should be no zero barriers whatsoever. If we want to get in this shit, we should be able to get in Mm -hmm. it without any barrier. So that's the, that's the angle that I'm coming from. And um, I'm going, I'm, pre- I'm presenting a social equity um, supplement to what's already put out there here. They said it's going to be more mm-hmm. as soon as money start coming in for the um, social equity program. But at the end of the day is social equity is not working across the country because right. it's underfunded and um, there isn't any, they don't, they're not going to set aside a whole team to um to make it work in essence right. you know put a, a whole workforce to make it work um they're not going to implement um the the necessities that's going to get us from a to z now when you mm-hmm. think about social equity like we're talking about the the areas that they identify are abandoned areas or mm-hmm. there are, there are people who just trying to survive like how are you really going to get these people to really think about owning a business you right. really like right. Some of this stuff is insane of how they're approaching this. Mm -hmm. So um, my goal is really to try to put the information out here. If you apply for social equity, go get the money. We're going to go get the check regardless. But it's really not. It's a it's a help. It's a it's some peanuts. It's a couple of uh, some change. But I don't even apply for I can't even um, I'm not even approved for social equity. (laughs) <laughs> Believe it or not. How many so, people have benefited, though? Has anybody benefited from it so, yet? So social, it, there's three parts to the social equity program in Michigan right now. So, one, they have identified um, 19 area, 19 communities. Okay. And they expanded it to uh, 20-something now. For recreational? No. This is just for the social equity program. Okay. Um, these are peop- um, areas that have been disproportionately impacted by the war on drugs. Okay. So, they identified these areas. So, mm-hmm. you have to be from one of these areas in the last five years. So mm, for me, okay. right, I um, I left Detroit and I moved to Southfield. Okay. Um, and Southfield isn't part of those communities. Right, right. So, but here's the thing. Southfield really should be because when you think about the Eight Mile Wall and how we were um, Pulled over just because we were black mm-hmm. coming over into Southfield. Right. You know what I mean? That's Those true. absolutely <laughs> nobody's talking about that, right. you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't qualify for it because I don't live in Detroit anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the last five years. What about the people who lived in Detroit ten, twenty years ago? Well, who, forty years, forty years all ago, their lives. All their lives, who've been directly impacted right. by what has happened to Detroit. So all of those people need to be able to qualify. The second part is, is having um, a marijuana conviction. And um, the third one is, is if you were a caregiver between like 2008 and 2016, I got to check that number. So if you had a marijuana conviction... You can be any person. It does. It just meant you have to have a marijuana conviction, and you have to have lived in whatever neighborhood for five years. Right. So One of those communities. So there's like still barriers. Like right. that doesn't encapsulate the majority 
of black and brown people. No, it does not. That's <laughs> why I asked all. that it's question because like, I'm like, okay, then that means like uh-huh. that means anybody can get that. That's not really helping people of color, which we know Detroit for the longest and still is a majority black city. It is. And here's the thing. People don't know that. So why they're saying you notice that they're not using the language of black and brown. They're using language of disproportionately impacted neighborhoods. Right. And the reason why they're using that is because of affirmative action. We don't have affirmative action anymore in Michigan. So you're they're unable to. Um, draft legislation to specifically directed towards black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's unfortunate when we got to change that. Right. I didn't even realize that even happened because I wasn't even involved. But now I realize the impact that it has on us. This is the first time I'm hearing about that. Oh, yeah. That that's either. deep. That's very deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, who are the people on the Michigan Marijuana regulatory advisor panel besides yourself and like if people wanted to start partnering um with organizations or you know legislators and things like that who have interest in helping black and brown communities like who are these people so um I don't. So they had a a panel discussion surrounding social equity, and that's what I was a part of. Okay. Um. So that's no longer happening. <laughs> Hopefully, that there are more discussions gotcha. and I'll uh, be a, a part of. Mm-hmm. Um. But it was interesting to really sit down in, in a group in a room. Um. The room wasn't majority black. It was only one, two, three, four, four black people, maybe five of us that mm-hmm. was in the room talking about social equity. The rest of them was white. Um. So these are just interesting dynamics. I know. It's like oh that that that's always you know, I do diversity work at, in my normal life too. And to me that's always the very interesting thing about having these inclusion conversations. It's like Who's included in the conversation mm-hmm. then? When you look around the room and you're talking about inclusion, like, it's a joke. It's, it's a, a moniker. Joke. It's a marketing theme now. It is. You know, it people direct is. money and they know they can get money for it. Yes. But, like, be for real. Be for real. If you are really invested in equity and inclusion, you're going to include people. That's and right. that's not happening in a lot of these boardrooms and these meetings. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Every time I'm at any of these meetings, mm-hmm. even if they have them downtown, they're they're... They're having meetings at 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, mm-hmm. who the hell is going to be at a meeting at 9 <laughs> o'clock in the morning who needs this information? They working. Exactly. They're surviving. They are. You know? That's right. And I told them that. I said, that's number one. Right. Change the time. Right. Come on the weekends. Do it after hours. Mm-hmm. And that hasn't changed yet. So though that's part of social equity that must happen. Right. If you want people to have truly about that and want to get the information out here, make it accessible for people. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. So as far as buds, corks, and forks, um, your core audience, who are you trying to connect with? I know you have a thousand people in your network now. So yes. who are these people made up of? So, you know, what's interesting about this industry is like all different kinds of people just enjoying cannabis. And yes, that's why I, I love, love this. <laughs> that environment is so mm-hmm, dope. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, it's older, it's it's um, it's younger, all different kind of ages. It's, it's yeah. every little bit of everything. But the the main core um, that I would like everyone to have is just a um, a more of a I hate to say professional, but more of a professional 
um, attitude or aura. And then what that means is that have some, like, when you go to some of these um, events, you see guys with their pants down to the ankles. <laughs> you see... <laughs> Yeah, you you know what I'm saying? It's it's a pride thing and you just want to be around others who are doing things, just mm-hmm. doing something um greater in their their lives and enjoying cannabis. Right. Does that I hope that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Yes. I'm not trying to really uh uh be bash groups, but um there is a um there's a niche market out here who would like to be around older professional individuals. That's right. I mean, we out here. We out here. We wear suits. We dress up. We go to meetings. We, you know, run things on a daily. But we also come home and and, and may toke up and kick our feet up. Or be at the High Times Cannabis Cup. Or be at a cannabis and yoga retreat somewhere. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I totally understand that. And that's the wonderful thing about the industry being so vast at this point when it comes to opportunity. And it's like so many different ways to get into it. I'm I'm jumping all a little bit ahead of myself now because I was going to ask you this later. Because <clears throat> normally I have a sexuality topic, but today I figure we just talk about gender because that's okay. also sexuality, right? Okay. And one of the things I notice is that so women, we are the biggest consumers. That's just a fact. <laughs> we are the purchasers pretty much of our households. And so what I do love about seeing the cannabis industry grow is that you are seeing markets starting to target women. Mm-hmm. And these are women creating products yeah. for other women. So, like, you know, remember back in the day they had the lady who had her long stick to smoke the cigarette? <laughs> now you got cute little shops like High Society Collection. You know, they had their cute little necklaces with the little joint holder. And so I, I really like that it, it's opening some ancillary other creative uh, markets. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but what I'll say about gender here that I observe, there's about five dispensaries that I I frequent on a regular in Detroit. And this is the one thing about the cannabis industry. When I think about social equity, I'm like, okay, for the most part, I know that we're referring to people of color, Mm -hmm. you know, but that would also include women. And where are the women in the top and leadership, you know, and ownership positions in this industry? When I go to those dispensaries, I would say 85% of the butt tenders are women. Mm. Even the managers Mm. are women. But I never see the owners. Mm. I don't know who they are. I'm imagining they're men. Yeah. But I I don't know for sure. Yeah. You know? That has to definitely has to change. Um, There is um, a young lady in Ann Arbor who owns a dispensary. She's black. Um, Huron View. Okay. Um, she's a minority on, owner in Huron View. So um, we're out here. But again, you're right. It is still a male dominant industry. Mm-hmm. And um, I do try to express that there's so many opportunities for women in it. I mean, we are nurturers. Like growing. <laughs> we got, probably got the green thumb of all. Right. Got that anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean. <laughs> Hello. I, I would love to see more women, especially black women. And yeah. you see more black people get into the farming 
and and industry anyway. It's like we're going kind of going back to the land. Yeah. So it would be a. I would love to see that be a way for Black people to I'm get just into to, the growing and cultivation so of, the, of cannabis. I, so you know we have work to do because. Yeah. The stigma is just so thick, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to black women. Mm-hmm. I find that a lot of black women don't want to be seen smoking yeah. or um, they don't like the smell. They don't want people to know that it, that it's in their clothes. Mm-hmm. A lot of us vape. Um, I'm really that's one of the things that I want to change as well is just just me being out here mm-hmm. in the forefront. Like you might catch me on a picture on Facebook with a joint in my hand. Mm-hmm. And that's just to really just say, like, I, I use it just b- before I go work out mm-hmm. because my body hurts so bad. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm letting the ladies know, like this. I take a couple of puffs before I work out. And it's, it helps me tremendously. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that, you know, someone sees that and they're like, it's okay. Like, she's doing it. I'm a mom of two, two girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm an um, a entrepreneur. You know, I'm still making things happen, yet, but right. I enjoy smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would love, I want them to know, too, the opportunities to, for their household. It's just amazing. Right. So amazing are the opportunities. Just not growing, but even just taking whatever that you're doing now mm-hmm. and implementing it into the industry. Now, I tell people that all the time. Right. I have a girlfriend that um she does wood burning. I told we one day we were just talking, smoking, and she made some wood, um, some trays. Wow! It, <laughs> like she, I was like, yeah, we're gonna sell those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it's so many opportunities. Absolutely. I I, I just think there's a lot of ways that people can get in this industry. And I really hope that as much as ideally a lot of people think dispensary because they think that's where the money is. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many other ways to get into the industry um, outside of a dispensary. And, you know, outside of being a grower, for that matter, you got to transport it. And, you know, there's there's a lot of other things. So that was the other thing I wanted mm-hmm. to ask you um, is what type of licenses are available in Michigan? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, how do people apply for them? So um, on the medical side. So let me clear this up. There were three stages to the whole the cannabis industry that happened. Is in as far as licensing is concerned. Okay. So um, in 2008, we have the patient and caregiver model. Okay. And then the medical came in 2016. Um, the medical includes um, that's the first licensing that came out for provisioning center. Okay. Um, for grower A, grower B, grower C, um, processing, transportation, and secure license. Um, Testing. Mm-hmm. So that was medical. Then recreational just came on in 2018. That included um, grower A, grower B, grower C as well. But they added an extra one, which is um, excess. So that's um, 2,000. You're holding multiple licenses of 2,000. You can grow 2,000 plants and stack them. So is that what the A, B, and C means, like the number of plants you Correct, can grow? Correct, the number okay. of plants that you can grow. Um, from there, you go into, um, they don't call it pro- a provisioning center on the recreational side. Okay. They call it retail. 
So you have your retail license and recreational processing, transportation, testing. But then you also have um, the um, event side. So there's okay. three events um, licenses that you can get okay. um, in recre- on, recre- on the recreational side. Now, what people don't know is that on the recreational side, you are not able to apply for a retail license unless you have a medical license. Okay. I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask, does that mean the, the, the medical dispensaries that are open now, they're the ones that can apply for Correct. retail? Correct. Yeah. They have first priority. Okay. Um, you also cannot apply for a grower B, grower C, or um, the excess grower license either, unless you have a medical. Okay. Um, and those are important tidbits because as black and brown people, if we can't apply for these right this second, it's going to put us further behind. You can't Absolutely. apply for those until 2021. Oh, wow. 2021. So so the ones that don't require you to have a medical license already, those won't be available until 2021. No, the ones that you can apply for right now mm-hmm. is a Class A okay. grower license. That's 100 plants. Okay, got the it. The events. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know what? I forgot micro business. Micro businesses. Okay, what's a micro business? So a micro business is like a craft brewery. That's the oh, model okay. that they're taking, mm-hmm. taking from where you can have, you can grow, you can process, and you can sell all under one location. Okay, got But it. you can only have one. So mm-hmm. you can't franchise it or anything like that. So that's okay. all under one building. So micro business is also. So there so the state was thinking like for the small mama pops that they get to be able to get going with okay. the class um A one hundred plant grow mm-hmm. and a micro business. And then the event. And then the event. Now you said it's three different type of event licenses. What's the difference right. between the three? So there's one event license, um, and it's called the um uh, well, I'm having a brain fart. It's um, Sunday. It's okay. I know. I know. <laughs> Wait, ask me another question. I'm gonna come back to you because I know them by heart. Well, I, I well, I was just telling. I'll, I'll just say this. When I was thinking about the event license, you know, one of the things that I think about in applying for any of these licenses is the cost. And I'm like, well, I, I probably can afford an event license if I want to get in this business because that's the cheapest one. So, um. The cost for recreational licenses, um, because, I, I mean, I don't know. I heard when it came to the medical side and having the dispensaries and things like that, you had to have like a $100,000 capital and that kind of stuff. Yep. But it's not necessarily required for the recreational type of licenses. You can right. get them for like, I think some of them are $1,000. So that's a little more affordable than having to have 100000 in your bank. Absolutely. But there's, I mean, there's a trick to that, too. So... One of the um, and what's slipping my mind is the actual name of the licensing, but the event licensing. There's one where you can um, you have your own space, okay, and you're able to hold events where individuals are able to only consume, no selling of food, no selling of alcohol. You are just there to consume. It's legal for you to go there to consume. Hmm. I wonder. If- It'll be legal for BYOB or bring your own food. 
that's a gray area. Yeah, that's the gray area. That's really the mm-hmm. gray area. But you have to think about, well, how is this space going to make money? Because right. you're not able to sell. Right. So that's one. The other one um, is a license to be able to um, hold events um, every now and then or whenever you want to hold an event. So okay. for that one, though, it's both of these are $1,000. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go get another license, and it's called a temporary um, event license mm-hmm. to be able to— so it's $1,000 mm-hmm. to be an event organizer. And then to actually hold the event, there's another $500 a day for the temporary license, and then it's $500 per vendor. And that's the one where you're able to sell on okay. premises. Okay. And you would have to pay that every time you wanted to have an event? Correct. Mm. Not the $1,000, but the but 500 the Correct. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's how they get you. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> I mean, it makes me also think because I feel like there are going to be businesses where they want to have cannabis like B&Bs, bre- bed and breakfast places, and, you know. That's still green and gray area, but you're okay. right, yeah. Because I'm They're just wondering them. what they are having. Them, and I'm <laughs> like, okay, so is that like an event license type of thing, you know. Right. Um, since it's a place where you can consume, but mm-hmm. you're not selling anything technically or with selling a room a night be selling. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, I I hope somebody's asking those questions. I'm asking, I hope somebody out there in the cannabis policy world can answer those things. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, yeah, you want them to answer it, then I didn't... Then again, no, no. leave well alone. (laughs) Let us keep on keeping on. Yeah. Keep ganja and carry on. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Because they'll put something in there like, Oh, yeah, yeah, then think about it. I'm not saying that. Please don't do that. But um, I'm mad they already take it tax for the cannabis anyway. You uh, know? Yes, 6%. so that that's what happens when you get licensed. <laughs> <laughs> Although I want people to do the right thing, but you know those ones where you they're not licensed. You know you just pay straight up. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Um, so yeah, moving on. Uh, I was asking earlier. So who are the politicians in Michigan or in Detroit? That are cannabis friendly that people should be considering. Did they have a vote? They voted already, mm-hmm. this year, or they vote in Michigan next year um, for city council. I believe that's that's next year. Okay. So uh, okay. So what's interesting that happened in Detroit <coughs> was that um, they voted for recreation to put a pause on recreational in Detroit mm. until January. I'm happy that they did that, and okay. a lot of people probably like. That's a bull. No, why are they messing up? But actually, they're not. And I'm happy that they um, they are listening to somebody. I don't know if it's me or who who they listening <laughs> to, but they did put a pause on it. Okay. And they want to ensure that more Detroiters participate. That's good. And I'm for that one thousand percent. They are only allowing seventy five licenses in Detroit, which I don't like. Seventy five uh, licenses um, for dispensary or Provisioning centers, retail centers. Wow. Yeah, that's nothing. That's nothing compared to yeah, I mean, 5,000 liquor stores that's in Detroit. Right. I mean, especially if the ones that already exist have first dibs, then that means how many more? So know, right now it's about third. I think the number is like 34 that exists. 34. 
four that are available, licenses okay. that are available. That is the last number that I was told. Hmm, okay. um, so, yeah, it's tough. It um, is. But I am happy that they are holding out to ensure that more Detroiters get in. So that's part of what I'm um, looking to do at these meetings is really discover those who are serious and are able to participate on the licensing side. Mm-hmm. And then we all need to back them and ensure that they get one of these licenses in Detroit. You know, I, I want to talk about the event thing again because I'm just wondering how um, High Times was able to do this. I mean, maybe the law was already passed. Maybe no. they had something that we don't know about. But they Nothing. were able to have an event and consumerism and you can buy things there. Right. So, I mean, and they've been doing this for years. They did it outside of Detroit, but this was the first year that they did it in Detroit. And it was so popular they did it again like they two tried months to do later. It. They did that because they knew that the um, ordinances and regulations were going to start coming down. So they squeaked in another one. Okay. Got um, it. So now they're going to have to get a license, which is peanuts to them, and then pay right. $500 a day and then— yeah, oh, they'll pay the same five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Five hundred dollars a day, but you know that's an opportunity that um, they shouldn't be the only ones in that space. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So um, I attend on participating in that space. Um, I encourage anybody else to. That's they don't. They shouldn't be the only ones in that space. Um, but yeah, um, that's the difference in. Um, white privilege pretty much is that they have the resources Mm -hmm. to be able to pull stuff off like that. Right. You know, they are able to, you know, pay if they have to play, if they had to. Um, They also know the the lingo. And that's part of what the education part is. They are Mm -hmm. able to speak that business language. Right. And that's something that is missing um, between us. Um, and really trying to go from the black market over to legalization, that the the commentary the is is totally mm-hmm. different. We have mm-hmm. somebody needs to be out here educating and filling that gap. Right. Um, so that's how they're able to pull off and and kind of do the things and fly past us in this industry because of those particular items and capital. Now you know that. <clears throat> makes me wonder why education wasn't part of this whole social <laughs> equity plan. Like, didn't I'm they think it, education right. would be important? You're right. Like, if you are targeting areas that have been ravaged by the war on drugs, then you are talking about areas that need to be repaired in a lot of ways first so that, you know, people can participate. You know, it's Absolutely. a little hard to participate when your neighborhood is still struggling yes. from the war on drugs, yes. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, education is, like, a huge piece of that, you know. Mm-hmm. Those who know will go for it. Those who don't, won't. Exactly. So, um, okay, so uh, I just have to ask this question. <laughs> In your it. experience, no, it's a good question, <laughs> okay. you know, because, like, I'm, I'm going to start saying <clears throat> which strain this show is brought to people. I'll just do it early today because this Show is brought to you today by the Gorilla Cookies. Hey. Okay. <laughs> so, um, in your experience, uh, which strains have you found to be advant- advantageous, uh, and why? Or which do you like the most? Um, I like a strand called Wi-Fi, mm. and um, I don't know. I felt invincible when I. <laughs> 
don't know how to use Wi-Fi. And I haven't seen it around lately. Um, but I like Wi-Fi. Um, that's probably one of my favorites. I'm a more of a stativa. Mm-hmm. I, I have stuff to do. I got a cover so I can't be sitting down sleepy. So... That's probably my favorite. Yeah, you know, I I don't mind trying new strains. I used to stick with the same thing all the time. But, um, you know, for me, I feel like, I mean, the other thing is I want to be able to share with others. Hey, you know, try this strain and it does this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. So um, normally I like fruity, floral strains. I don't know why. Some strains just taste green, if you know what I mean. Like You know how you just taste green? I don't know what it is, but it just (laughs) tastes so green. Yeah. Um, so I love grandma cookies. I just mm. tried that for the I've first never time. Had that. Okay. And, you know, people keep telling me about the cookie strains, but I'm a sativa person as well, you okay. know. Um, and this is the interesting thing when I was, I was thinking about this when you mentioned like having a mature network. Cause I think also, you know, if you've smoked for a, a long time, you probably go through different phases of your life, the kind mm-hmm. of cannabis you consume, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and as you get older, you do have things and responsibilities, but <clears throat> you might even be smoking for a whole different purpose. Like yeah. you say, sometimes you have that ache or, you know, sometimes yeah. I, I get headaches, you know. Um, so, you know, we, we, we use different butt for different reasons. And so now it's important for me to be educated on my butt. You know, what is its purpose? What is the undertones, the yeah. smell, the, you know, especially the hybrid stuff is always mixed with something. Yeah. And as much as I don't like um, GMOs, to be honest, mm-hmm. I don't mind my cannabis being GMO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind a hybrid um, cannabis. So, you know, I, I, I like trying different strains and, you know, Reporting back. Sunshine is my favorite, though. Sunshine, Sunshine number four. Okay. That's I like Sunshine. That is a good one. Sunshine is good. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting, too, that, I mean, the industry is going to get there, too, where right. you're going to be able to say, this strand is for a.m. Mm-hmm. This strand is for noon. Right. <laughs> this is for p.m. I mean, they're going to, it's going to get really, really advanced and really um, shrunk down to its precise feeling emotions that mm-hmm. it, it puts out. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, my goal, and, and I, I keep saying this, I want to have a show to talk about the shopping experience because mm. I feel like cannabis shopping, is it's an experience, yeah. you know? And I want to wait, though, until I have that experience in other places. You know, yeah. I've been to different um, festivals, you know, like in D.C. and then the one here. Um, I have a medical card here, but what... I haven't been to the legal ones in Colorado Mm. or California. I've heard about those experiences, you know, and I'm sure it's a little different from the medical dispensaries. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I I really want to see what the difference is because I love the deals. And, you know, (laughs) like I say, it's it's really an experience. It truly is. It's so many options. It's so many (laughs) options. It's just like, yeah. And that, that's what I try to tell people, too. Like, yeah, so many options. Like, y- you can be the Budweiser mm-hmm. of the industry right now. You, you know? Can. So, <laughs> Like, I mean, I am an educator. Yeah. But, you know, maybe when I'm on vacation, I need to dedicate a summer to just learn all the buds and change my trajectory <laughs> of my career. Because <laughs> uh, this definitely has a big and bright future. 
Um, okay, so winding down. Um, I did want to ask you, 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 you just developed a, um, a new 501c3, um, Black Cannabis Access and Advancement Alliance. And the, tell me how you pronounce this other one. Is it Yay We? Yee We. Yee We. Y'all, we eat. Okay. The super pack. Yeah. Um, tell us about these organizations and, and how can people get involved if they would like to. So, um, to sum it up, is everything that we've been talking about today. Okay. Um, that's what um, Black Cannabis Access and Advancement Alliance is. Um, it's, a, it's really a voice um, for the black and brown cannabis um, community to really get empowered and give them what the resources and tools that they need to get in the industry. And the advancement part is really progressing the ind- industry, sustain mm-hmm. itself in the industry. Um, that's what... Um, I call it, in short, BCA3. <laughs> That's a mouthful, but uh-huh. I wanted to ensure that, look, be clear, it's, it's for black and brown people. It's like, I'm not going to shy away from that word. And we definitely need access and we need the um, advancement and we need an alliance um, between all um, people. Um, to be honest, I don't see how anybody in this cannabis industry right now are moving forward as fast as they are and not really dealing with the marijuana and the drug impact on communities. Like, right. I, I don't know if we can cuss, but I'm sorry. Of course. So it's like shit. Okay. <laughs> it's like shit on these communities, on our communities for decades. Right. Surrounding marijuana and then to make billions of dollars. I mean, you, you got to come a slap back. In the face. It's a slap in the face. It really is. So I'm dealing with that. Mm-hmm. Th- that's what I'm dealing with. So the um, it's actually going to be a 501c4. And the four is more, it deals with the social impact part of it. It okay. deals with policy, um, a political aspect. So that's why I decided to make it a four. Okay. I didn't know that was the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then Yiwe, uh, that's just going to be a movement across the, the country as well. But it's a movement in regards to, look, Y'all eat, we got to eat. There's no way that this industry moves and we're not eating off of this industry. I hear you. <laughs> so right. um, there's just going to be guidelines to that. And mm-hmm. one of the guidelines is really just supporting um, black-owned dispensaries, supporting um, the caregivers in the industry mm-hmm. until they get this right. We have to – there has to be a strategic stand in this industry for us to be able to be successful in the industry. So right. – Since it's still on the ground floor, let's make these steps. Do not go into these other dispensaries until they make it right. They got to make this industry right for us. Right. I can't imagine going into a white dispensary. Like, how can (laughs) that's crazy Mm -hmm. to me in the city of Detroit. So I mean in in the city of Detroit. If you're somewhere else and it's like a, a new thing, okay. But when we're talking about in urban cities and having outsiders come in and set up their shops and they make millions of dollars but Mm -hmm. the the area still looks like crazy exactly we can't this is this is an economic um i call it an economic genocide if we don't participate in the industries as owners Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. no i i i I'm with you because, you know, it's one of the it's a green rush. That's mm-hmm. that's the term they have for it. And, you know, for years, I'll be honest, my granddaddy had me scared coming back home. It's talking about how bad it was in Detroit and this yeah. and that. And when I came back home, I said, wait a minute. You know, that's just like they try to paint Chicago as this, you know, just it's just all this violence. And 
But there are some really great things that are happening. You know, um, that's just like any other situation where cities recover from natural disasters. Cities can recover from economic downfalls, and Detroit is in that process. And cannabis is one of the ways that can help the city come back. And it should definitely uh, be a lot of stakeholders from the city of Detroit. Absolutely. Not just the businesses in Detroit, right. but Detroit residents being the stakeholders in the business Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. 1,000%. It must happen. It has to happen. It's an industry. It's not like it's a, you know, some popcorn or something. Mm-hmm. It's a full entire industry, manufacturing, distribution, warehousing. Mm-hmm. I mean, from A to Z, there's no reason why Detroiters shouldn't be um, owning that process. Especially if the bulk of the money generated yeah. from this industry yeah. is coming <laughs> from, from this, this metro area. That's just that's just crazy to me. Yeah. And, and 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 if people aren't woke, I mean, just read, just, just read. look, yeah. pay attention. Mm-hmm. That's all you have to do because these things are happening around you. Absolutely. You know, and 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 if you're okay with living in a the bubble, then wow. <laughs> I hope somebody bursts it soon because yeah. we got to get in this biz. And we I, do. I agree, it's, it's it's so important for. For Detroiters. Um, did you want to leave us with any information? How can people contact you if they want to get in touch with you with, for the many things that you got going on? How you do oh, it all? I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know. Um, thank you so, again, for this opportunity. Um, it was a great interview, and I really just appreciate being able to give this outreach. Oh, um, I think it was a, um, a thorough exchange where, you know, the listeners can Get it. Yes, <laughs> you know? I hope they got it. Okay, get it, got it. Uh, yeah, Good. absolutely. Um, I want to get, can I get one quick shout out that I didn't of give? Of course. A um, I want to give a shout out to um, Grow Kings. So Grow Kings is one of the um, only black um, grow supply company. They're located out in Canton. But these guys are definitely dedicated in ensuring that um whoever chooses to grow, that they are successful Mm -hmm. and give you the the tools and the resources to do so. So big ups to Grow Kings. They have been very supportive in um, BCA3. So thank you so much. Um, So BCA3, you can go to BCA3 uh, today and you can register to take action, um, be a volunteer. Um, It will soon be a membership-based association. Okay. Um, where I'll be providing resources and tools directly for whatever needs that you have, consultants, attorneys, um, architects, so on and so forth. It, the hub is going to be BCA3 to get that information. So, But if you want to volunteer or you want to be a part, take it, um, be notified of the meetings, go to bca3.today and sign up. Yiwi, um, same thing. If you want to volunteer or you want to be part of the movement, um, you can go to um, yewe2.com and you can sign up there to become a volunteer or, or participate in, in the movement. That's going to be huge. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing events. It's going to be something like, you know, black vote type situation. <laughs> like It's important. Coming this election, this election I'm is coming sure. fast. So if no one is talking about uh, black economic progress, we need not to be voting for anybody unless they're talking about black economic mm-hmm. progress. And mm-hmm. part of that conversation is cannabis. Absolutely. I agree. 
Well, thank you again for coming on. Oh, thank you. Audience, please, if you are in the Detroit area and want to get involved, reach out to this sister. Attend one of these sessions or events. I went to one. It was very informative. And, and she is out here in the trenches, and she has these events uh, often. So until next time, my friends, this show has been brought to you again by Gorilla Cookies. And until next time, stay sex positive and elevated. <laughs>